ride with me in my foul life. Does that sound like ducks at all? Yeah. Mac, 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 mac. Like ducks. Huh? Exactly. Mac, 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 mac. Mac, 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 mac. That sounded ducky. And just like that, we're back. Another episode of the Foul Life podcast. What's up with it? What's up with you? What y'all got going on out there? You practicing that duck calling? Free falling? Tom Petty? We're practicing daily. Hopefully y'all are learning something. Jargon game calls. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast brought to you again by our friends at Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. Carry that knife with you, that saw, that hatchet, that axe, that folding knife, that straight blade knife. Everywhere we go, we bring in Gerber with us. They're in our UTVs, ATVs, our boats, our trucks, our blind bags, our toolboxes, sometimes our lunch boxes to cut up some salami. I don't know if Chris needs a knife to cut up the Big Macs that he eats for lunch. <laughs> Maybe not, but thank you, Gerber Gear, for believing in everything that we do here at The Foul Life. Another episode, today's guest, Chris Cifrio, Jargon Game Calls. He's back coming at you with some more insight. Like you could have hundreds of podcasts on duck calling. It never gets old talking about it, learning about it, figuring it out, learning what other people think about it. You guys have been hearing us talk. You girls have been hearing us talk about hell calls and greeter calls and cadences and pitch and tone and choosing a duck call and um neither you know no rhyme or reason we're just trying to bring it chris how are you doing good man how about you good you work out today no not yet is that a long pause <laughs> and get on the treadmill and run. you're gonna do what <laughs> get on the treadmill and run a little bit something is that what you're gonna do get on the treadmill and run a little bit a little bow flex or something you know yeah there ain't no such thing as a bow shake. flex anymore Man, they work, dude. I mean, it, it doesn't get you uh, in the shape that it's not like free weights by no means, but it definitely helps. They still make them? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've you... got an up to date one by no means. I mean, mine's probably sat more than it's been used by all means. It's like a clothes hanger now. Have you been have... making any duck calls? Making duck calls? Uh, making duck calls for a lot of customers here lately. Um, things are picking up. You know, kind of slow down a little bit, but it uh, started picking up, and now we're fixing the, we're working on something new. Put it that way. Well, I can't wait to see him. I requested some calls for some friends. Did they happen to go out yet? I'll you're gonna get it. you're gonna get me killed, is what you're gonna do. Right there. What? I got low on some stock, man. But that transition. You, from but Chris, stock. but it's all about transparency and communication. Okay, it's all about letting me know because I'm sitting there going, "Oh yeah, Chris has got it," and you're just sitting there holding out on me. You're probably making them just for you. You probably got a whole horde of duck calls under your bed. <laughs> no, by no means. Half the time when I go when I go duck hunting, I gotta go to, go to shop, pick out a duck call for the next morning because. I normally, I'm always, my mind last to be done. I'll tell you that. It's amazing how fast. I don't know if it's because people know you own a duck call company or you design duck calls and make duck calls, but how fast or easy it is for somebody just to take the duck call right off of your lanyard. Like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I didn't need that. No, go ahead. Take it. Hey, you mind if I get that duck call? I mean, you could sit there and spit in the thing, fill it up with Copenhagen spit or Chaw spit, Red Man. They'll still take it right off your lanyard. I'll take it. I'll wash it out for you. That's cool. Every one I bring out in the field, I give away. Yeah, no, I've had a couple of guys that called in. They're like, oh, Chad got me, gave me this call. I want to go ahead and get another one. Or I want to get one just like it, you know. So, yeah. I mean, and that's what it's all about. I keep back, I keep calls in my bag all the time. And when somebody's blowing something else and they just, you know, they're like, man, what are you blowing? Here, try it out. See what you think. Have you ever had anybody tell you I don't like that jargon? Man, I've never had nobody tell me I don't like it to my face. But, I mean, I've had some people, I've, you know, friends as far as on Facebook might jump over to another call company or whatnot. But it's not because 
it was user error, not error on the call. Put it that way. Yeah, I agree. And we kind of t- we kind of touched on that last time whenever we talked. Is that when you get a recall, it's going to be able to hit all the notes from top to bottom. It's all about you, you know, distinguishing and making yourself and and practicing to where you can hit from top to bottom. Don't don't find a crutch. Now, I can't stress that enough. If a call basically can hit from top to bottom and it's tuned right, don't try to find a call that's just a crutch that you feel like you can manipulate because you're just not you haven't practiced you're not there yet and you're trying to trying to just find a crutch uh, there's just no way around it i mean that's what people basically do is they fi- try and find a crutch but just what do you learn. mean give me an example of a duck call crutch um i mean i've heard it all i've heard all kinds of different suggestions where people take a duck call and they'll cock their reed to the left or they might take and put chapstick on it uh you know, to keep it from sticking, they say. Um, I don't know if that stuff works or not, but a call is not going to stick as long as you're blowing correctly. Now, don't get me wrong. You put you put a lot of ton of moisture on the tone board, and it's freezing cold outside. Yeah, it's going to freeze, but that's not considered sticking. You know, all of our calls have spit grease in it, every single one of them, from, from the chit-chat all the way up to the loud mouth, and it, they're all got spit grooves in it to try to prevent that. But a spit groove does not prevent it from sticking. It just prevents it from basically uh, wanting to lock down. And just it, it gives it that much more on the tone board uh, to where there's there's not, not that much surface area for that reed to sit down and want to lock it together. It's just like taking, for instance, you take a plastic sheet of plastic sheet of mylar and you put it on a counter top surface and you put a little bit of water water underneath that countertop surface and you try to pick that right um did i lose you it looked like i lost you so second but anyway you uh you try to pick that mylar straight straight up right and it's hard to pick up it's hard to get your fingernails underneath to grab that thing it's the same thing with a duck call but but if you was to take and put all kinds of grooves in that surface and then put that mylar on it, it'd be a lot easier to pick up and down. And it's because basically it's making a suction. It's 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 sucking to that surface when two flat pieces of thing, and that's how a duck call works. You got a mylar that's flat and you know somewhat like slick. And then you have a tone board that you try to rough it up to make it to where it doesn't want to stick. But if you didn't have a tone board that wasn't roughed up at all, depending on how the tone board was shaped, when that reed came down, it would want to sit there and hold. That's what's considered hold on the tone board. That's why they say, man, that call got a lot of hold in it. Well, that means that whenever that reed goes down, it's holding against that tone board for a, a split second, you know, a microsecond. And that gives you that. <laughs> that's what gives that hold in a call. Hold in a call is duck. And so if you don't have a call that doesn't have any hold in it, which is like a cut down, right? A cut down, you can't take a cut down and go <laughs> and get that hold to it. It's just not designed that way. It's designed to pound on and just really just. And so when you get a finesse call, that's what a finesse call is. A finesse call is a call that has hold in it to where you can trick call on it. You can do a bouncing hands, case and squeal and all these different sounds. So there's a fine line on a duck call tone board to have too much hold or too little hold. Some people don't like a lot of hold in their call. Some people like a call that's basically just, you know, free range. Just whenever you blow it to it, it's not going to hold down. But what happens is, is on that call, it's very hard to uh, really manipulate it back and forth. And they get all the different sounds out of it. Now you take and put hold in it and that's whenever it starts to become not as user friendly and it's a little bit hard to transition on that call and control it but you're you're good guys that really can blow a call top to bottom they like a lot of hold in their call just because they can manipulate get a lot of different ducks out of it but you gotta you gotta open your throat and you gotta blow hot air in order to get that in order to keep from that reed from locking down 
and to get it to where it's basically getting voice out of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, a lot of it. But when you say hold, a lot of people are going to think like, um, you know, this, the, the definition of hold when it comes to duck calling is, is it like the, it's holding on and just waiting for you to make the next move and you manipulate it again? It'll hold right there and stay there for you. And then when you're ready to go and transition to that next duck, that reed will be in position for you to do it because it was holding on. If you consider this, you basically every time you every time you put a pop of air, it's like a pulse, right? It's like a boom, boom, boom pulse in your heartbeat. So when that reed goes up, every time you pop that air, that reed pops up, right? Well, this surface area in the back of the call, right back here, is where your hold's at. So if you have too much hold, you know, your your actual mylar will go way out. And it, then it'll start sloping down. You want it to start to slope down away from the tone board, okay? But when that reed comes down, it's going to hold down onto the tone board. That's what hold is. If you take a loudmouth right here, right? You can look at, I don't know if you can see the gap in it, but the gap underneath that call where it starts out, it all of a sudden starts and then it drastically drastically drops out off. That's where you get your hold, your back pressure, all that stuff. You know, is that's that's where it's that's how you build a call. That's where the call is built from, is trying to take that read and you're slowly pulling it away, pulling away. You either dropping it off real hard, you're slowly dropping it off. You know, uh main street call is gonna just go straight out, it's gonna have a a real straight tone board and then it's just going to slowly arc down and that's going to give it that ring and all that stuff um but you know not getting into too much detail with it but that's what hold is 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 it's holding down that reed is holding down and it's making like a suction and when you pop it again it'll pick that reed up again just like you pop in air <laughs> You can hear it holding down. I don't know if that explains it to the T, but you know it's kind of hard without seeing the seeing the tone board and actually visualizing it and showing you, you know, how it holds down. But when I when I take hold out of a call, what I do is is I take and I actually there's two ways you can do it to bring back there's back pressure does hold. To take hold out of a call, I'm going to stand right there in the back towards the cork slot on a J-frame. On her, on her small talk and loud mouth, there's no sanding at all. It comes straight out the machine, and it's exactly where it needs to be. Um, but the back pressure, you know, if you want to take a little bit to where you got to push a lot more air into call, you'll sand right there in front where the drill hole is, right in front of the drill hole towards the – from the drill hole to the end of the tone board, to the tip of the tone board you'll sand right there. And what that does is that'll allow more air to get underneath that reed. And you can basically have a, a call that you can blow harder into. But there's a fine medium on that too. You start sanding too much and you start taking it away. And now you got a really call, you have a call that you can't get on the bottom end. You can't get soft. Like you take that, that's a live duck and you go to a paradox and that whole, that, uh, that uh, dro slope drops off really hard on a paradox. And so that, that makes that call be able to take a little more pressure. You can pounce on it a little more. Um, and again, that's what, uh, that's what distinguishes a call from one another. And you wouldn't believe a thousand, two thousand, you know, of an inch on that tone board, it slowly starts to take it out. I mean, uh, less is more. Absolutely, with duck calls. I mean, you want to take off as less as possible whenever you're trying to sand on it. And, of course, you want to leave it up to a professional or somebody that knows their calls because they know where they need to take off and not. But um, there's all kinds of ways you can manipulate it and make it better. You know, your exhaust, your exhaust comes in the hand, making it to where you open your exhaust up. The more you open your exhaust up, you don't get any back pressure, right? You just had a huge open cylinder on the backside, your back pressure decreases. 
as you start tightening that hole up, you start getting more back pressure. I think it's the same thing on a goose call too, you know? Uh, I know it's the same thing on a goose call. You blow into a goose call and basically it's a combustion chamber. And as you pop air into it, you know, they've taken it to where, you know, on the end of it, you can have a small hole and then open up into a big chamber and it'll break over and then it'll bust down in a small tight hole. You know, you can do the same thing on duck calls. It's just, it's endless of how you can manipulate the sound with it. When you start talking about sanding the tone board on a duck call, it's the reason why you don't have to on a small talk and a live duck because the tolerances are so precise coming off the CNC machine that there's nothing left to do on it. You're saying that you just lay the reed on there in the right direction, pop your, your stopper in, and it's ready to go to work? Yeah, and the main the reason why is because I'm able to, on this call, I'm able to hold this part a lot better in the front and in the back. So it sits on a ledge and I'm able to hold that part a lot tighter. So I don't get any flex whatsoever on a J frame. It's very hard to hold a J frame, you know, without getting any flex on the front end. Um, Cause the way we machine it is we cut the end off and then we go around, we, we actually use a, a roughing bit, rough it out and then come back with a small bit and go around. So this tone boards is of course is longer. So you get more flex and deflection on tools. We get them really good. I barely have to sand on them, but I don't find the J frame the way it is. It's being, it's a finesse call. If you take one straight off the machine and you you can cut it to the T on the money, I don't feel like it's opened up enough until you stand on it. Standing on it opens that call up and makes it to where the duck starts coming out of it on a J frame. So, so go ahead. The J frame is what most of your duck calls are going to be designed after. It's kind of, you know, it's derived in Arkansas. Is it the most precise way to get ducky sounds, or is your gut system going to be – tell me the difference. What can our end user expect if they get a small talk or a loud mouth or the icebreaker if they want the read and a half or a double read? What can they expect the difference to be? Is it harder – to control and master that type of gut system and that type of internal, you know, sound system inside a duck call? Or is the J-frame just as difficult to learn on? It's the same techniques with your mouth and making sure with your throat and your 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 larynx and your diaphragm and your lungs and keeping an open throat and that hot pressurized there. Is it all the same? What is the difference? What is it more difficult on those other calls because the gut system is different than the 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 historically famous Arkansas J frame? Tell me the differences and why people would choose the small talk or the loudmouth over something that's been proven in Arkansas for so many years. So the, the J-frame is going to be by far, and depending on the call, depending on how the, the, the tone board is and everything else, but, you know, a J-frame is going to be by far harder to conquer because you have to open your throat. If somebody calls a shop and they say, hey, I want to start learning how to blow a duck call, what do you suggest? I'm not going to give them what a lot of people do. We've talked about that before. I'm not going to give them, for one thing, I'm not going to recommend a double read. Uh, but I'm not also not going to recommend they start off and learn really on a small talk or loud mouth unless they're just basically a guy that wants to go hunting on the weekend and he just doesn't really care about learning too much. He just wants to sound ducky. Then I'll recommend a small talk. I'll say, hey, look, take a small talk. You're going to have very – it's user-friendly. You're not going to have much air at all. You're going to be able to blow into it, sound like a duck. You're going to be able to feed call on it and sound like feed. You know, as long as you can go ticka, 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 or cooka, cooka, or, you know, basically blow air into it, you're going to sound like a duck. If a guy wants to really learn how to blow a duck call and he says, man, I just want, I want to be able to, to where I can sound from top to bottom. I want to be able to get all the ducks. And I'm going to tell him, hey, look, the best call that you can possibly blow is going to be a chit chat. And the reason why is because it's got that back, back pressure and it won't allow you to basically, it, it's 
it's not user, not very user friendly when it comes down to not opening your throat. If you don't open your throat, you're going to sound real high pitched. If you don't do your feed call right, you're going to sound really knocky. Uh, it's just not a user friendly call per se. You can still put into it. You can still have duck and you can still sound like a duck, but it's going to make you open your throat in order to sound the best you possibly can. Um, any J frame really, but the chit chat for one has that smaller exhaust. So it's going to have that more of that back pressure and it's going to give back to you the whole time. So when you put into the call and you, you, you know, not blowing a call, but fog a window and blow hot air, uh, it's going to be given back to you the whole time. Every time you pop it, it's going to give back, give back. And you're going to feel like you're going to be able to feel it more than, say, a live duck or a paradox. It, those are more open bore on the end of it. So I always find, you know, when you get in a, in a vehicle or whatnot, you can feel driving a vehicle down the road or whatnot. If you can feel that vehicle and kind of just same thing with a boat, same thing in a, a boat, I mean, not a boat, a, uh, um, a foil or whatever. You can feel, if you can feel it going down the road, I don't know, and it gives back to you, I feel like it can make you a better driver. Same thing, that's what you're doing. You're driving a duck call. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, you have to have to have something that gives you a response back. So learning on a chit-chat is the best call you can possibly learn on. Um, and, of course, from there, I would say advancing to a live duck and so forth. Now, well, the dip, biggest difference between a J-frame and, say, a small-talking loudmouth is, is that there's hardly any back pressure. Your hold is – there's hardly any hold. It's a medium hold in a loudmouth and a small-talk uh, compared to a, 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 a – not extreme hold, but more hold in a J-frame. And uh, they're two totally different calls. I mean, two totally different setups. A J-frame and a wedge design – it's going to have a different sound. It's going to have a different reaction. You're going to be able to lean on a small talk and a loud mouth. You're not going to be able to lean on a chit-chat and a live duck and stuff unless you open your throat. Um, and and it, I blow them all the time. And a lot of times I'll catch myself where I don't open my throat and I'll have tight air. And I might very you just hesitant to lock it down and just in a heartbeat if I don't open my throat. And so it's not going to be, it's not as forgiving, uh, J-frame at all as a, a loud mouth and a small talk. I don't know if that explains it or not. I'm trying to explain it. It explains it, can, but, but is, is the jargon J-frame series, which includes the chit chat, the live duck and the paradox more to come. Is it the same as all the other J frames out there? Because there's a lot of J frames that are on the market. There's, to, you can go as far as saying that there's J frames that certain manufacturers design and build that are bought by other call companies and just the inserts put into their barrel. And it's pretty much the same J frame that a lot of the other call makers are using. I'm not going to say any names, but that happens in our industry. Ours yeah. are original designs that you've contrived and designed and built and engineered and mastered. Are they different? And what can the customer or end user expect? Is it got more hold for a J frame? Does it have better pitch? Does it have more? Are you able to control it more? Does it have better volume? Is it duckier? Is our J frame different than all of the other J frames on the market? Yeah. So, Really, I can go to, I can go cut tone boards all day long on the machine. What it comes down to is is when I've told up before is tuning. It's got to be tuned right. You know, tuning comes down to hey, making sure you know that your cork notch where your cork fits in. That's its exact size where it needs to be. Uh, your reed, your mylar. You know, making sure your mylar is perfect. Um, and it's, it's, you know, again, dog ears do affect it some as far as on getting rasp out of a call. It does make it more raspy. But uh, depending on what kind of mylar you use, definitely makes a, a difference. I've had sheets of mylar. We, me and John David have talked about this before. I can take sheets of mylar 
that I might have cut that I might have got a year ago, and I get some new mylar in, and one sheet out of ten is not where it needs to be, and I throw that sheet away. It's just the process. There's no control over the mylar, but I can control on hey blowing it and making sure that that's where it needs to be. But um, I lost my train of thought. But the uh, the difference, the biggest difference in our call is, is that it's machine right. It's machine exactly how our originals are. We keep up with our tolerances. We keep up with our tools to make sure that every one that comes off is exactly like the one before. Uh, that's where you see a lot of error at, error at is that people don't keep up with their tools, don't keep up with the tolerances. They just cut and they cut 100 inserts or 200 inserts, and then boom, they just let it rip. Believe it or not, but as a machine warms up throughout the day, it'll start loosening up and it'll start changing as far as on where it's cutting at. So I might just say, for instance, I'm just going to throw a number out there, but I might be cutting stuff at like, and this is a high number, but I might be cutting stuff at like 25, you know, 0.25 or 0.625, whatever number you want to have. And by the end of the day, that machine could have moved two or three thousandths of an inch as it warms up because the machine starts off cold and then all of a sudden it starts warming up and those slides, that machine's going across those slides or on the ball bearings or whatnot. And as it warms up and it's going over and over again, it'll start loosening that machine up and it'll start cutting bigger or smaller. And so you have to keep up with that. It doesn't change instantly. It changes slowly over the day. So I might make an offset of a tenth of an inch 10 times, 20 times throughout the end of the day. We're trying to stay within three tenths of an inch on every call. Three tenths of an inch of a thousand, three tenths of a thousand of an inch is very, very small, extreme. That's like, you know, what aerospace and them try to stay around. Um, but if you stay around that, you can have more consistency out of your tone boards, out of your duck calls and so forth. Or loud mouth and or small talk, every single time I'll run that machine, run that machine, run that machine, and I won't start cutting for about an hour before I warm it up. I'll run a cycle and keep warming the liquid and all the stuff, the coolant, the machine up and everything else. So all that stuff makes a difference. You know, makes it, again, you can have the best product coming off but if it's not tuned right, you know, you're not going to have that consistent sound. But what our calls do is, is we have about a, a good hold. I'd say it's a little bit more medium hold in our calls on the J-frames. And we have them to where we rip on them. We can, on the top end, we want it to be able to nail on the top end. But we also want to be able to blow and check it to where when we come down on the bottom, that we can put on that call, that we're not blowing up, you know, a lot of air trying to get that read started. Um, so is every call exactly the same when it comes off the machine? Yes. Is every call that goes out of the shop with the read and everything, the length of the reads exactly the same and all that stuff. But what is a little bit different is that I can't replicate is I can't replicate exactly where those sand marks go every single time. And so that can make a call a tad bit different on a J-frame. You're not going to have it on the small talking loudmouth because it's ripping over and over again. Same exact one, same exact bit, you know, every time. But on a J-frame, you do have some uniqueness to there because, believe it or not, you can't really tell unless you can run a call but you give a guy that's a professional and he blows competition, I can give him one piece of my lore that's cut exactly the same and I can give him another piece of my lore and I can put those two different my lores in there. And I promise you, after I blow them, I can say, yeah, this was different. This was different. And I hand it to him and he'll say, yeah, those are two totally different calls with those two totally different piece of my lore. So that's where all that stuff comes in effect to make sure that you're getting a consistent sound every time that's why we keep keep up with our mylar that we cut that's why we keep up with our tolerance on the machine that's why we keep up with sanding it 
making exactly the same strokes every time um, and sanding in the right spots. Like I said, we barely sand on a call when it comes out, but it's knowing where to sand and knowing when things are right. You have to blow every call that comes out. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You can't just take and start assembling parts. Now, the loudmouth and the small talk and icebreaker, you could probably get away with taking a reed and putting it in there with a wedge and so forth. But I've had wedges that are exactly the same too, that you'll take calipers or micro calipers and put them on there, and it might be a slight difference. So we blow every single one of those too. Every caller comes out of here, we want to make sure that we're going to put it on our lanyard. And, uh, you know, I'm very critical about that. Uh, I, I've thrown away inserts. I'll get an insert one time and or, or every once in a while, and I'm like, that insert just not does not sound right. Boom, toss it in the trash. I'm not about to send a call out. I have one chance to make an impression on somebody because if they buy one duck call from us and they had never blown a duck call from us and they buy one and it doesn't sound up to par, they'll probably never buy another one again. And so I got one time to make an impression on them and I'm going to make sure that I do, or at least try my best to. What makes a call stick? Um, what, what makes a call stick? Is it machining? Is there something that's on that tone board that's not allowing that reed to bounce and pop and move organically or smoothly or naturally? Or is it operator error? Is it too much hand and back pressure in the wrong position? Can it be any of this? But in my opinion, there's calls out there that stick more than other calls. Does it have something to do with your style of air pressure and air presentation into the call? Is it your throat being open or closed? Is it your lips and air sneaking in through the corners of your lips and the cracks of your mouth around that barrel? What makes a call stick, Chris? I mean, basically, it's all the above. I hate to say it, but okay. Take for one instance, people dip, people drink coffee with maybe creamer or sugar. They drink Dr. Pepper's Mountain Dew, energy drinks, all that stuff. You put you put sugar. I see it all the time where people will take a call and they'll dump a call in water, right? And then they'll take it and they'll shake it and put it in a call, bam, 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 and they'll blow it. They're like, see, our calls don't stick. Well, saliva and water, H2O, is two totally different things. Yeah, of course, water basically doesn't have any sticky solution to it, you know, if it's straight water. Saliva, on the other hand, is going to be sticky. You put it between your hands and you can, it'll stick your hands together. So that's one thing is having, you know, Dr. Pepper or whatever, getting something on the tone board can make it stick. You know, I tell people whenever you change your cork, best thing to do is, Take a tube brush, go underneath the sink. Don't try to go sand it. The grooves are already there. Take a tube brush and just clean it off with mild soap. Clean it off, wipe it down. You're done deal. Put your reed, put your new cork, and you ought to be ready to rock. Very seldom do you have to go back and actually sand on a tone board. The only ones I've ever seen that is, is basically when you pound on it over and over again over the years, it can actually do just like a goose call does, and it can break it in. It can break that groove in where that reed's been slapping on that acrylic. Second thing is, is basically the biggest thing I see is, is people not changing their cork out. Uh, you have to change your cork. Cork is only meant to go, uh, it expands and contracts. So when it gets hot and it gets cold and it gets hot, what it's going to do, it's going to dry out. And so once that cork dries out and there's no flex to it and it's not putting that ample pressure onto the reed, it's going to make it stick. It's going to make that reed, that's what they call a call being flat. When a, when a call becomes flat, it's because the reed is getting flatter on the tone board. It's not having that perfect arch and that perfect pitch up in order to keep it off the tone board. Um, you know, not blowing correctly as far as you not opening your throat. Depending on the tone board, depends on how much you got to open your throat, of course. But 
I see a lot of guys where they'll be blowing it and it'll be blowing fine and they'll start getting tired and they won't be opening their throat and then they'll start squilling it. Keeping your throat open. That's why my hunting calls have a little bit longer read in them because the shorter the read, the easier it is going to be to stick. The longer the read, depending on, you can't have a real long read because that a longer read will make that call harder to blow and will make it to where it wants to stick because it's, remember, that reed's flexing around the tone board. So the more you cover that drill hole up is the more it's going to have a chance of it sticking. Uh, the drill hole's letting the air go underneath it. But that can cause it too. But that being said, I always have my reads a little bit longer because I tend to start getting tired and wanting to blow harder. You know, as my lungs start getting more and more developed and and I get you know, throughout the season, I'll start to be able to be able to blow a call that's even harder than before. Um, I don't know the other things that you were telling me too, but tone board has an effect on it. If you have a little, a real flat tone board and it, it just slowly peters off, that can cause it to stick. Not having spit grooves in it can cause it to stick. Not having a call that's been sanded can cause it to stick. Um, your mylar really doesn't, mylar is mylar. You know, I've seen people take mylar and actually run mylar on sandpaper and try to prevent it to stick. Uh, I don't know if that works or not, um, but some people have, you know, good luck with it. All those little things can make a call stick, but design definitely has a huge effect on making it stick. I know there's some manufacturers that they actually slope, they cut their tumble, uh, their, their uh, cork slot out, and they leave an opening to where it's basically like a an alligator mouth, right? It opens up real wide at the beginning, and then as it goes towards the back of the cork notch, it gets smaller. And that's so whenever you go to put that cork in there, it's easier to push in at the beginning and not break your cork notch off. Um, but what that does is, is the place that needs to have the exact pressure is right in front of the cork notch. The back of the call, the back of the cork notch doesn't make nearly as much difference as the front of the call at the front of the cork notch. So that can affect it. There's all kinds of little things that can affect it. Uh, but yes, I mean, there's a ton of calls, you know, out there that tend to stick. Um, but with a little bit of if it's if it's blown right and you're having good sounds out of it. With a little bit of care on it and getting it back to the manufacturer, most have the know-how in order to make. I know that was a long deal, but I don't know if I covered everything as far as on it. But what was the last I mean, part you said about getting it back to the manufacturer? You broke up there. Yeah, I just said the best thing you can do as far as on a duck call, if you do have a duck call that starts to stick, you know, the best thing to do is to give it the manufacturer. And normally they have the know-how, uh, if they're a reputable company, they're going to know how to fix that call from sticking. Um, you know, people that design and build calls, they know how to make it better. If you tell me I've got guys that come in and they say, Hey, I want a call that I can lean on. I want a call that, I can really put a lot of air into, but I want it to be a live duck. Well, I can take that live duck and I can manipulate it to where they can blow on it harder and so forth. So getting a call custom tuned, there's always that, you know, there's always that that you can go to. You can go to a manufacturer and get it custom tuned. And that's, where, you know, we're working on that to be able to have a, a place, you know, in town during duck season to where you can just come in all throughout the duck season and get it just exactly tuned, custom, exactly how you want it. The way we have it now, you shouldn't have any problem. You can take and manipulate the read, uh, you know, put a longer read, put a short read. You shouldn't have any issue with being able to get the sounds you want out of it. But if a guy just wants to manipulate it completely, we can do that, you know. Um, but I pretty much we have a call that's going to, I would say that we have enough calls, you know, duck calls that you can, there's one that's going to fit you better than the other. You know, if you want to really lean on a call right now, you should be blowing a small talking limo. Uh, 
or an icebreaker or whatnot if you want to be a double guy. But if you want to go a call that's got a lot of hold into it, you're going to want a live dug. That's got the most hold of all of our calls. You want a call that's just basically a timber call, chit-chat. You want a call that's a timber call, but you want a little bit more volume, have that pack pressure just like a chit-chat, choose a paradox, you know? So we're pretty much covered across the board, but you can always, just like with anything else, you could always take and you can go buy a Ford truck perfectly exactly how you want it from the dealership. But if you want to go get a Lear Camper top or you want to get a certain step bar or whatever, you can always get that custom work, you know, done to it. You keep saying lean on it. Um, when you're 55 years old, as opposed to 10 years old, you have to have more air in your lungs to blow out all 55 of those candles on a birthday cake. If you only have eight or 10 candles, you don't need as big of breath. We've talked about in the past how operating a duck call and presenting air into a duck call is not the same as blowing out candles. You get air in your cheeks and your lungs and you get right when they're done singing happy birthday, you hit that cake and hopefully saliva doesn't go all over it and you're eating all that crap, but you control your air to the point to where you get, you got to get the candles out. That's what blowing candles out on a birthday cake is all about, right? Like you got to have way more air in your lungs to blow out 55 candles than you do eight. Leaning on a duck call means what? Like, do you hammer on it and just put as much air into that call as you can? Is there a certain amount of air that you teach somebody when they pick a call up to where they can get it to where it's a short little pop of, is it like a whisper, like a, or a little bit more? I'm barely popping that call. I'm barely activating my airflow, my, my system, right? My diaphragm, I'm barely activating it. Or that's barely much more. Or you can get that's barely much more. What my point, Chris Cifrio, is that it's a fine line of leaning on a call or just operating a call with normal air pressure. These calls are designed to get loud on their own. You don't have to be like a Louis Armstrong with your cheeks puffed out with your veins that coming out of your forehead, getting his trumpet to go off in new Orleans, right? This tell me what you mean by leaning on it. Because to me, it's not like you're sitting there and going, oh, ah, you don't have to really present a ton of air into that call. Am I right or wrong? Yes. Yeah, it's, it's leaning on a call is pressure. It's all about pressure. So the more pressure I present in that call, the more uh, we call them basically angry duck, the more of an angry duck you're going to have, the more of aggressive duck you're going to have, right? So the same thing with a feed call. You could take a feed call, but you can use that same volume of air. It's always the same volume of air. It's just more pressure on that air, if that makes sense. Just like this. I can punch you, but the, and I can come just straight away from you, and I can just punch you, say, a foot away. But I can say that same foot, stay that same foot away from you, and I can push harder, right? Well, that's exactly what I'm doing when I'm blowing a call is, is I'm using that same distance. I'm using that same volume of air, okay, that's coming out. I'm keep, keep my throat open the same exact way, but I'm not doing it, say, uh, faster, I would say. It's just got more pressure behind it. I don't know if that's... It's like taking, a, say, for instance, um, 90 PSI of air, right? You got 90 PSI coming out of an air compressor, and then you got 25 PSI out of an air compressor. Do you think that that air is coming out there faster, or do you think that that air is basically coming with more pressure? I would say it's probably somewhat of both, but when I blow into a call, I'm not blowing, I'm blowing the same volume of air. I'm not running out of air. You know, whenever I lean on a call, I'm not having to blow more air or use more air. I'm just taking that same air and I'm using more pressure to, to get that, you know, more aggressive call. 
to get that more aggressive feed. Say, for instance, you know, when I do a quack, I'm using the same volume of air. And the same right there, I'm using the same volume of air. See how I lock it down right there? So what I'm doing is, is I'm finding a call and I can lock it down if I put too much air. It's wanting to lock the read down, right? So if I don't, if I use that same volume of air and I use that and I put more pressure behind it, I'm going to get a more aggressive call. Same thing on a fee call. More pressure is what is what you're doing in a in a duck call in order to get more aggressive with it. I don't I don't and I could be wrong, but just you know, in my head how I do it and and how I've taught people to do it is is that you take the same volume of air, you keep your throat open the same exact way. You know, of course when you when you want to make a more aggressive call, you're gonna have a open throat. You can't close that throat down. I close my throat down and I try to put more pressure, what's that going to do? That's going to want to lock the reed down. So you got to find that kind of a happy medium. But, you know, opening your throat, more pressure is going to make a more aggressive call. It's going to make a more aggressive duck. Just uh, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but. I think it does. I just think that people have to have an understanding, you know, whether – you know, when him or her go out to get a duck call, I want them to have a good understanding of that air presentation. It's kind of tricky when you think about it. Like you don't just put your mouth on the call and try to, you know, there's like air pressure tests, right? Or there's like breathing tests that you can test your lung capacity and all that. And man, you build up and you, and you try to suck in as much as you can and then just hammer on that thing to try to raise that red needle way up. Right. Well, in a duck call, you're, I think you're more, it's a good analogy. I think of that punch from a foot away. It's like you could pop it or you can push through it and get a little bit more pressure added to it. But it's almost like when you got a helium balloon and you open up the little balloon and you keep it tight, but you let a little bit of air out, but then you can hold it open longer and let more air out, or you can grip it a little bit tighter and let tighter air out. Um, there's, I want to find the right analogy to get the point across that Chris to get loud on this live duck or the small talker loud mouth, it's not very much from, you know, just soft presentation of air pressure or, you know, that, that what you're calling pressure, it could be soft pressure. And as you get tighter or hard, more, you know, more powerful pressure, your, your ducks get tighter, your quacks get tighter, you get more volume. I don't know if there's a right way to define this. We need to figure this part of it out because I am barely barely and when i say barely i am going if i could put this into the back of the call if i turn it around now i'm getting sound and i'm barely doing anything if i just get a little bit tighter in the back of the call it's barely i don't it's minuscule yeah so do it again just do like a quack without the call And I do a little bit more aggressive crack. Okay, so exactly with the punch. Okay, going back to the punch. So I can get a foot away from you, and I can punch you. Same speed, everything, right? Come a foot away again, and I can punch you harder. Same speed, but when I get to that point, I push through, right? Whenever you blow into that call, you're actually, for a soft quack, But as you basically want to make that call louder and more pressure, you're actually, you're not stopping. Your air is not stopping. You're pushing through. (laughs) So listen to it again. Here's a quack, right? (laughs) The air continues to go. It continues to go past that point. 
Uh, it's the same thing with a punch. Like I said, you come up to you, I punch you on the shoulder, I stop, right? But then I come to you, same speed, everything, and I come and I punch you on the shoulder, but I push through that shoulder. And it's like, golly, that was kind of, that was a little bit harder. It wasn't that I was faster. It wasn't that it was a different arm. It was the same arm. It just felt harder. And it's the same thing when you're doing a quack. You're taking your quacks and you're putting your quacks out, your air out. But you're not stopping your air, but your air is just fading out. <laughs> on, a, on a hard quack or a more aggressive quack, your air is not fading out. Of course, that's a cadence, right? That's, I'm blowing the same exact way, but my air is getting pushed out and it's more aggressive because I'm not letting it stop. I'm letting that air continue to go. I know it's, it's, it's a very hard thing to explain. It really is. When you'll have somebody sitting exactly. Because you're not blowing air. It's hard to depict this because you're not saying blow as hard as you can. It's not, you're not doing that. It's like that Kleenex drill that we talk about of blow, you know, having a piece of just really fine, thin tissue on the table and, right. and, and, and present your air like a duck call or blow that like you're blowing out a birthday candle. We're not blowing air. That's why I want people to understand like this, when you start talking about leaning on a call, you can't pick up a duck call and just blow it like you're blowing out your birthday candles. That's not leaning on a call. You're not going to get a duck out of it. Yeah. It's it's it, we got to figure out a way of, you know, explaining that to what what does leaning on a call mean and how do we define that pressure? Because I am barely touching that call, but where I wanted to go with this was when you get the adrenaline going and you hear the wings and you see the blue sky and you're breaking mallards. The first thing we want to do is lean on a call. So we automatically get all giddy and we start getting all fired up and like Beavis and Budhead, like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then we overblow the call. Or do we overblow it or do we overoperate it? Do we overpresent air to it? Do we put too much pressure on the call? Like if I put too much pressure on you, you're going to bust sometime. You're going to be like, you know what? Go to my air, right? You can't like, you can't put too much pressure on a duck call either. It's not going to perform. But when you get in that situation, how much pressure is the right amount of pressure to break ducks at a quarter mile, you know, seven, eight, nine hundred yards? What's the right amount of pressure when you're working them at, at treetop, right? Or within a hundred yards? It's very minuscule in my opinion. I'm trying to figure out what leaning on a call means and how do we teach somebody to put the right amount of pressure into a single reed duck call? Right. No, I know exactly what you're saying. It's uh, it's definitely very hard to. Uh, it's very hard to explain as far as on that exact right amount of pressure. That's the hardest thing too. I could tell somebody exactly what kind of how to blow in a call, what you need to be saying basically into a call, how to do a feed call, and so forth. Uh, but to to exactly explain to them you know, where that comes from, how it, how it comes out, you know, and so forth. But I mean, that's the biggest thing is, is that it's, it's all about fogging a window. You know, that's exactly what you're doing. When you walk up to a window and you fog a window, that's where that air is coming from. That's how you're presenting that air into that call. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a horror one, man. It really is. But it's 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 uh, really. I, I believe if I get somebody. Good. I was I was just saying if I, I believe if I get somebody in front of me and they have a call and they go to blow it, uh, I truly believe I can show them if they hear me turn the call around backwards, if they can hear that, what the air sounds like and so forth. Nine times out of ten, I can get them to where they're starting to blow right and correctly. Um, 
but it is it's it's not blowing in a call. You're not puffing your cheeks out. You're not it's not like you're blowing a uh when you blow into to blow like a raft up, you know, you're blowing air. You know, you're trying to get volumes of air. That's why your your head basically starts to hurt if you blow too much because you're using all this air. But when I blow a duck call a lot, other than say for instance, Main Street guys where they're really just they have to use a lot of air. When you're blowing just a ton style call, you're not using a lot of volume of air. You shouldn't get a, your head should not start hurting. Um, you shouldn't just, you know, completely uh, dissolve all your air in your body. Um, again, it's just little, little bits of air. You can blow a call just as hard by bits of air as you can with, uh, you know, large amount of volumes. And I'm telling you, large amount of volumes of air, your ducks are not, it doesn't sound ducky. Your ducks are not behind each other. They're not a perfect cadence. Yeah, I think you do a great job of explaining duck calling. Don't get me wrong. It's the pressure part of it that I want to define. It's a different way of thinking about it because man, you're so relaxed and the duck call is built to do so much of it. Um, you're going to, you're going to lose control. If you have too much pressure on that call, you're not going to get performance out of that call. If you have too much pressure on that call. Um, I don't know. It's just, it's a very fine line. The more and more advanced I have gotten in duck calling, which I'm still average at best, you know, below average, according to you, but the more advanced I've gotten in my career, is you were supposed to laugh at that a-hole um the more advanced i've gotten in my career is um i'm learning that it doesn't take a lot you can manipulate these calls and especially when you want to transition into different ducks and different voices you get you take a little pressure off you add a tiny bit of pressure you open your hand and take a little bit of back pressure off it's amazing how much you can manipulate a duck call to get so many different ducks where when you when you first start out, if you don't have the right instruction or guidance from somebody that gets it, you are going to start just hammering that call and you're not getting the grasp of what that call is really meant to do. I didn't. I really, truly didn't. I didn't know what a freaking young duck was on a call or that excited young hen that meh, meh, meh. I didn't know how to get that. But in reality... People were getting it back when I first started duck calling. I wasn't because I wasn't get. there wasn't that, that instructional part of it of like what you do with your pressure and how you can take pressure off and add pressure onto a call and, and, and how long you keep the pressure on. And it's just, it's a, it's a cool study, I think, because you're not doing much, Chris. That's a pretty duck to me. I'm barely putting any pressure on that call, Chris. Like my pressure is not that much different in all of those ducks. And that sounds ducky, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Let's leave it at that. Let's figure out what the pressure is. I'm going to come back next time on the jargon part of this podcast and talk about, I'm going to do a little bit of a study and let's figure out a way to explain this a little bit more because I'm not changing the amount of air pressure I'm putting on that call very much to get all that different volume in those different ducks. I'm really not. There's a trick to this. This is hard. Duck calling is difficult. You got to practice nonstop. For Chris Sifrio, I'm Chad Billings. It's been another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. What's up with it? Keep listening. Keep downloading. Keep subscribing. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your girl. Tell your buddies. 
Everybody needs to be listening to the Foul Eye Podcast. Today's episode, again, was brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear. Stay sharp, America. Thank you, Gerber, for believing in the culture of the American duck hunter, conservationist, gatherer, and provider. I'm getting ready to go out, turn on my Traeger, and cook some wild mallard breast right now. I know they're going to taste good. I'm fired up. All right, y'all have a great week. We'll be back with another episode of the Foul Life Podcast. In the meantime, check out this song. This is My Foul Life by the rock band 2AM Logic. I have to chase the fly She knows I'm going